Welcome to the Wags of SEI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both our partners are quadriplegics, and after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. So you must be thinking, what is the goal with this group? Our goal is and has always been to establish and nurture a strong network of women around the world who understand and support one another while navigating the SCI life. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission with this podcast is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspective. So join us each week as we tackle deeper discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the WAGS of SEI podcast. Here we go. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases. And they work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource in the spinal cord injury community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You're not just a case, you're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. They are always looking for ways to help improve the quality of life for their clients by providing the support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance and benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, and making sure that their clients are doing physically and mentally okay. Wish Our Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WAGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way that she can, because she wants you to live your life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure to mention that the WAGS of SCI sent you. This episode is sponsored in part by Camp Possibility. Camp Possibility is a one-week adapted camp for young adults aged 18 to 40 who have spinal cord injuries and their partners. This camp takes place in Martinsville, Indiana and runs from August 1st to 6th, 2021. Registration begins February 1st and there are limited spots available. For more information, visit www.camppossibility.org. That's camppossibility or email lauren at camppossibility.org. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, or you can contact us at wagsofsei at gmail.com and we'd be happy to connect you. Hurry as registration begins February 1st until all 24 spots are filled. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Wags of SEI podcast with your hosts, Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. We have another special guest. She's our ambassador. Her name is Rebecca Mina. She is on today and we've got some juicy topics. 
Thank you for joining us, Rebecca. We're super excited. Um, for those of you who don't know, Rebecca was on our podcast about almost a year ago now, right before uh, the pandemic hit. Uh, Rebecca is an ambassador. She lives in California with her husband, Damien. Um, she also runs an advocacy and outreach and awareness platform called For the Love of Parking. I'm sure you've seen her all over our social media and you've probably seen her videos, which are amazing. Um, so today we're going to get into her advocacy efforts as they are today post pandemic and kind of get an update as to where for the love of parking is now. And we're also going to discuss caregiving during quarantine and caregiving during the pandemic and get some of her experiences and views on that. So welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. Hey, ladies, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on again. Awesome. So why don't we start the podcast with give us a little bit of a update. What are you and Damien up to during the quarantine time? We've been in a pandemic for what are we in almost a year, just over a year. And what is life looking like for you guys now along with Merlin? Let us know who Merlin <laughs> is. We're dying to know. Oh my God, Merlin! He's the best. He's our cat. He's a he's a bald cat. He's a sphinx, and he has brought like the most joy into our life ever. <laughs> every day we wake up, and we're like, every single day he makes us laugh. He's the greatest, and I'm sure that you know some of you that are familiar with <laughs> yeah. the, for the love of parking, or even my my private site. I have him all over that because he's the best. But yeah, he's awesome. He um, is. But- and he's also a pet of SEI, is he not? Yes. Hashtag, hashtag yes, pets hashtag. of SEI. <laughs> yes, he's he's awesome. He loves his little pet of SEI role. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, uh, pandemic, post-pandemic or during pandemic, everything honestly changed. Um, prior, we used to have a caregiver that came every single day. Every single day, at least for a couple of hours in the morning to get uh, Damien through his morning routine. And during that time, I would work. Um, I do a lot of media work. uh, And that helped a lot. But the pandemic totally changed that. It's like now I'm sure you guys know there is. Well, I don't know if it's like this in Canada, but California, there is no caregivers available. Everyone is having a massively hard time finding caregivers. And so I became his full time caregiver every day. Now, is that because so, <laughs> they're restricting um, the amount of patients they have more now to for less contact? Or why is that? Why is there a lack of caregivers? So the lack of caregivers is different reasons, uh, a few different reasons. One, the one that you just mentioned, too. Uh, people are getting sick often. And uh, even if it's a cold or a regular flu, they have to take that 10 days off. Um, and right. even like, right when they have the symptoms, that happens. Um also, I think people are scared to come work uh, that closely to people to work like that. Totally. So it's just, cre- yeah, it's just created a huge issue. Um, and every single person I know in this area and even in outside areas, like I'm very active on social media and um, lots of people in our community are suffering with this, this not having a caregiver thing. So I think that even though it's difficult, I think we're lucky, Damien and I, that we have each other and that I'm able to physically handle his care. So how long have you been doing his care solo now? Like th- you said, through the pandemic, how many months has it been for you guys now? Oh, my gosh. OK, so in the beginning, it, it was patchy. Like we had people coming here and there. And then I, I would say maybe like three months in, it just stopped. 
So it's been that long. It's been over a year, at least. And and just maybe. for those for our followers that may not know, um, your your husband Damien, he is a C five, correct? C four five, yeah. C four five quadriplegic. Um, quadriplegic, yeah. And you know, you have been a fierce advocate for caregivers' rights you know, pretty much since you married him. Right. Because do you want to go into how quickly just for those who have not listened to the first podcast, just quickly how you met um, Damien and how you started off um, as his carer? Yeah. So I did, I I answered a ad that he put out. Um, I had never been a caregiver before the ad kind of didn't seem like a caregiving position. It seemed like more of a a uh, companion, like a driver almost. Um, I answered the ad, I applied, I got the job immediately. And soon we completely and, and deeply fell in love. And that was almost 14 years ago now. Aw, that's such a, I love that. From caregiver to wife, like you both just vibe so well together and you're both so down to earth and so easy to communicate with. And you both, you know, you have your own journey. You've talked to us a little bit about going overseas for some time. Can you just like touch base on that a little bit when you and Damien first went to find your guru? Right. Then this kind of fits because, um, health, we're really into health and and the full spectrum of health, just not Western. We incorporate both Western and Eastern healing and alternative thoughts because we think that they, everyone should, it's a, it's a full spectrum. Right. So at one point, somebody, one of his old friends said, Hey, you, I will pay for you guys to go over to Indonesia for three um, months. If you'd like to see a Shaolin healer, he seems to think the Shaolin healer seems to think that he can help Damien with a spinal cord injury. And we have tried everything. We're just one of those people who are willing to do things that aren't too invasive. And so we're like, sure. Yeah. You're going to pay us to go to Indonesia. Let's do it. So we did, we went to Indonesia and what ended up happening is we ended up living there for three plus years. And we saw this Shaolin healer the entire time. And it was amazing. Damien actually wrote a book about it. It's called all different directions. You can get it on Amazon, but it was probably the most um, important time of my life. And why is that? What made it so important? I know that, you know, you've shared a little bit with us about seeing your shaman and wow, three years, the long, long time, like three years, that's a significant portion of your life where it's like, this is home, right? So what made it so crucial for you guys? The reason I think that it was the most important time of our lives, both of us feel the same way, is because we literally left everything and dropped all the physical things that made us comfortable here in the States to live somewhere where it was literally a jungle we lived in. It was there was no comfort. It was it was rural and scary because we didn't know the language. And, you know, it just completely challenged us in ways that we didn't know um, before. And what that did is it, it made us grow at a rapid rate spiritually and as a couple and as a human in general. Um, we stayed longer than the three months because we started to see huge physical, uh, 
benefits coming for, from Damien and not, not only spiritual, but physical benefits for his spinal cord injury. His hands started to work better. He started to be able to um, lean over and pull himself back up. He wasn't falling over anymore. His, his core was getting better. Significant things were happening. So we continued, we found a sponsor to help us. We also raised money on our own, you know, and saved money on our own to stay in three years. It just flew by and we loved it there. The The life is different there. It's, it's more open. They, their spirituality is stronger. Their connection to each other is larger. We just fit, you know, and, and we loved it. Wow. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. It, it, yeah, it's just interesting. Like well, after you sustain an injury like this, um, where your physical body is compromised and a lot of what you could do is lost it, it gives a lot of hope to people about what is possible when you talk about your experiences, because, you know, these places are notorious for being inaccessible, right? I'm sure you oh, have, it was the worst. It was the worst. <laughs> I'm sure you have some stories about that. But just the fact that you guys ventured there and took a chance and, you know, Damien was experiencing healing, you were experiencing healing. That's huge. And it just goes to show you that you don't necessarily have to be at a spine gym uh, or getting, you know, surgeries to recover. It's like a mental thing, right? When you slow down and relax, I found that that's the most nourishing times in, in my life and in my partner's life. What was, what is the worst accessible story that you have, um, from, from your time there? Like, would you encourage people to go there or like, what's your, your feedback as far as access? So it's funny because this is where the inception of for the love of parking came from because of my experiences there, but I'll, I'll talk to you about that later. My, the, this place where we lived, I wouldn't encourage. Yes. Okay. I would encourage people to go because of the <laughs> benefits I received spiritually, but I would say you need to be very open-minded and you got to think outside the box to get around things because so the first portion of our trip we lived in somewhere called Sukabumi it's a very rural area that I spoke about a second ago it's just completely inaccessible and weird um so sorry real quick how do we spell that s-u-k-u-b-e-u-m-i Sukabumi and that's in Indonesia. Okay, it, it's in Java, Java, Indonesia. Um, so we were there first. Um, but the thing is, their culture, they, they believe there are stairs everywhere because they believe that the spirits cannot climb the stairs. So they make everything upstairs to stay away from these negative spirits, right? This is what their belief. So stairs everywhere. So we had a, um, he did not have a power chair for most of the time that we were there. He had his uh, manual chair and we literally had to pay people to pull him up flights and flights of stairs. There's no handicap parking. There's, they do not, in fact, they, they believe that people who are disabled are um, suffering from their past karma and it's not a good thing to be disabled there. Wow. Wow. That's That's surprising. That's very interesting. Well, it's just surprising to me because, because it just seems like the type of place that is very progressive as far, as far as like energy and healing and renewing yourself. And you'd think you wouldn't think those two things would go together. That kind of attitude. Ancient history though, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's been in their um, culture for forever, and it's not only disabilities; it's also mental health. If you're if you have a mental disability as well, like if you're suffering from schizophrenia or bipolar or right. whatever, um, you are also the same. It's it's you have been challenged by your karma, and you're living out a negative aspect of your past karma. So that's well, just what they believe. Yeah. I mean, even if you look back at like the history of like psychology in general, like even like Western psychology or just like psychology, the study of psychology is that they believe that there is like spirits trapped in your brain. That's why they began doing like lobotomies and stuff to release mm-hmm. the spirit through your nostrils into your eyeballs. And, <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. They, there's a lot of association, even like in religion now, even like in Christianity, it's like when people are like, you know, rebuke the, the demon out of you, like they believe that like your ailments and you're like, mental health is a demon trapped inside of you or whatever yeah, so it's yeah yeah and a lot of, and a lot of a lot of their healing um has to do with that for example one of the we what we did is we tried every type of eastern healing that we could get our hands on in that area and in, in in that you know country and um then i filmed it so one of them one of them was this person believed that damien was living out um bad karma and he had a spirit inside of him that was controlling it. And so we literally, both of us did it. We're beaten with wooden sticks and some oil that he anointed and just over and over persistently hit us with, with a wooden stick <laughs> that was supposed to release the demon. It was and, did, and did it, did it, did you feel it? No, it, it actually invoked a demon in me because I was so mad. <laughs> But this, yeah. but this experience, just another example of a silver lining, this experience and their whole experience with accessibility is what, um, inspired you to begin a life of advocacy and campaigning for disability rights and caregiver rights. So, um, well, yeah, be, be, and it seems weird because there was so much inaccessibility. You think I'd come home and be so grateful for what we do have because we are so far ahead of that country and, and disability rights and accessibility. But because I had lived in that environment so long, I actually was able to see where we're lacking. And I, I know that sounds weird, but that's, that's what cool. happened. It's just, I was able to see what's lacking here from that. That's so, very cool. That's, that's very yeah. cool. I feel like, sorry. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of like a correlation there, like in terms of even like when Dan and I were in Cuba, cause he sustained, and his um, spinal cord injury in Cuba, the difference of seeing like the hospital, the treatment um, and the care and the cleanliness and, you know, the kind of equipment they had was not even comparable to to what it was like when we got on Canadian soil. It's like they kind of like left him lying there by himself in Cuba. And then here they were like all hands on board trying to help him like survive. So I love that perspective of what you're saying. You guys were there for so long and then you come back to us and you're like wow so when you first got home like what was that initial feeling like well at first it was like utter gratefulness of what we have and the comforts that we um all take for granted you know that that was like that for a little while and then um and it was also this is also where the caregiving advocacy came from too because uh we actually brought a caregiver with us to indonesia we paid for him to come with us and he stayed with us for about two years, um, but then he left. And uh, when we got back, 
we were unable to find a caregiver that we were used to having before. And so then I, that's where the caregiving stuff came, came into play. But as far as the access stuff, um, at first I was so grateful. And then I had that incident that I know I've told you guys about before where, you know, I let the ramp out because I couldn't find a parking spot, uh, um, van accessible spot let the ramp out in a regular spot kind of pulled like halfway in. I know we all have done it before. You pull halfway in, you let the ramp out, you let the guy out, and then you pull fully into the regular spot. That's what I did. But there was an impatient punk parker, and um, he swerved around me and then tried to pull into the spot where I was actually letting Damien out of next to us and almost hit him and ran over our ramp and, and... and broke our ramp. So that's when I started to get like real serious about, Oh my God, you know, people need to understand like the whole reason this happened is because I couldn't find a van accessible spot because there aren't enough, you know, that's really, really cool. That's really cool. And it's kind of like that. Yeah. Like that's kind of that thing where it's like, you feel like you're seeing something and no one else is really doing it from your perspective. So why, why don't you do it? Right. You're that, that pull to like do something that nobody else is doing because who else is going to do it? Right. You're passionate about it. Well, who else is going to do it? Right. But also, I also do see other people doing it, but they're doing it from the perspective of anger right, or resentment or, or frustration. And I just don't see the point in that. I feel like I I told you guys before, I've never had a bad experience with anybody and I call people out all the time and nobody ever gets upset or yells at me because I feel like when you come up with compassion and the spirit of trying to understand where that person is coming from, because they do also have a perspective and most of the time it's lack of knowledge and you have to be compassionate about that. And when you are, you don't, you, you don't get anger involved. Well, and Elaine and I talk about this all the time, and this is like one of the pillars of how we operate WEGS of SCI is we don't want to ambush people and be angry and have them have their backup. We want people to see not something of like, oh, look what this person is doing. This is bad. We want people to see how it could be done and lead by example and have that kind of as the awareness piece. Like this is how it could be done in another way with love and gratitude and not so much like punishing people. So I think we share a lot of commonalities that way and it gets more stuff done. It does when you're flowing and riding the waves versus, you know, swimming against the waves. Right. It depends yeah, and, on the day. It really depends on the day. <laughs> That's true. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, you can go in my feed and see times where I'm frustrated or, you know, I mean, even, even calling somebody a punk Parker, you could say is, you know, I guess kind of negative. I, I, I don't know. I don't see it that way, but I've had people be like, Oh, you say you're trying to be positive, but then you call him punk Parker. No, that's my playful way of saying what you're doing is, is kind of a, punk move you know mm-hmm. and don't, um don't park yeah. like a punk right yeah exactly hashtag mm-hmm. don't park like a punk but you, you can still use sarcasm and play yeah i think that the key is playfulness you know 100%. when you come yeah when you come with that kind of energy where you're not being forceful you're actually just playing that it feels different and i think that the way that you make people feel is the most important thing in life And that is the best statement of all statements as I've shared this statement with Brooke before too. It was a quote. It's like, people will not remember what it was exactly that you've said to them, but they will always remember how you made them feel. 
we create from that place. We create our lives from feeling. And so if you're always feeling bad, you're going to create that feeling around you. And and so I really very much believe in in the power of creating positive and joyful feelings. It's kind of like, I always like to compare it to like thinking of your ex-boyfriends and how, (laughs) well, seriously, like, it's like, it's like you think about your ex-boyfriends from years and years ago. It's really hard to remember the bad stuff, right? As humans, we always want to remember the good stuff and we, we do, right? And a lot of the time. I feel like it's the opposite. All I remember is the bad stuff. <laughs> oh, really? I know. I feel oh, like no. it's like, I, I feel like I never like remember the hard times. I'm always like, oh, that person, like you always think that person's better than they were at the time. I don't know. Maybe this is me. I don't know. <laughs> always, no, I have, always I have helpful. I have the same. A cup half full kind of girl, right? I guess you both are. That's an interesting perspective. Brooke, Brooke and Rebecca are very mindful. They do lots of meditations. So these are the gals you want to have in your quarter, always thinking <laughs> the good things about you. Oh my. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> We're laughing. Um, well, I think, I think this is a really good time to get into um, care and yeah. like, let's talk we'll we'll let's talk more about for the love of parking later and kind of where you're at now with your advocacy but let's first get into caregiving during the pandemic so let's fast forward you know 14 years from when you first met Damien till now how has your care changed and how how has it shifted during the pandemic mostly how is how is it reflected in your behavior how has it impacted you okay well so Pandemic hits. Uh, a few months in, all caregivers stop coming for the reasons we talked about earlier. And I'm, I'm not. I'm, I can't say forced because I don't mind. But I am now his full time caregiver. And what happened was, Damien was very uncomfortable with that. In his mind, I'm his wife, not his caregiver, and he doesn't want that. So what happened there was, we had this crazy. Um, impact in our relationship because I'm here I am happy and excited I like to do his care it's fun you know like we take a shower together and um, you know I, I enjoy caring for him and he's angry and mad about the whole situation so we started having honestly relationship problems because of it it really impacted our the way that he was behaving And the anger that was exuding from him in regard to this really got to me. And so then I started being upset and angry with him and we had some serious issues. We started to see a counselor to get through it. Um, We started really working on our thoughts and we're okay now, but we did go through some, some crazy stuff. And so that's how it impacted us in the beginning. And now we're at this place where he's like, I'd rather have you do it than anybody else. <laughs> so it shifted. Um, and now everything's fine. And I actually like it because it, it gives me structure, which I'm not good at. You guys know I'm, I'm an artist. And like every artist I know is, is one of flighty and just goes with the flow and does everything, you know, at a moment's notice. And that's who I am. And this actually gives me some structure. I'm taking better care of myself um, because of it. And I, I love it, but it did bring up some caregiving advocacy. 
Um, I'm there's a lot of problems with our in California with our system that we're we're working with, and I am on the backside of that trying to um, advocate for us as caregivers, as especially the ones that are spouses or girlfriends of of um, people with disabilities. Interesting. So you know, you mentioned you went to counseling. Did you start going to counseling and seeing someone like right off the bat, like when you started having these feelings or did it take some time to like compound before you were like, okay, I need some outside help? No, it took time. I mean, I did the regular thing that you always do. You talk to people who are in your like immediate um, circle uh, and that didn't help um, because I, as you guys know, they don't get it. They, they, and it's not their fault. They live in a whole different world being in the spinal cord injury or disability community. Your life is so far beyond what they can even imagine that when you tell them, you know, certain things, they just can't do it. They can't. So I was like, immediately I'm like, Oh, they can't get it. They cannot give me any valuable advice as much as I love them. I know we need outside help. Then it took a little bit longer after that because Damien was not you know, he wasn't down at first. He was like, no, nah, we don't need that. It somehow made him feel like a failure or something to that nature. And finally, we broke through that barrier and then started seeing somebody who was amazing and helped us a lot. That's incredible. That's so important. And there is so much stigma and there's so many, you know, yucky feelings around asking for outside help, especially with the male, you know, perspective, the toxic, not saying that Damien has it, but like in general, this very toxic masculinity where it's like asking for help is a sign of weakness or, you know, maybe it's a point where you have to like confront that there are issues in within your relationship or, you know, but I love what you said, you know, another piece to not necessarily speaking or sharing with your friends and family is that, that's not really what they're there for anyways. Like they won't get it, but also it's like they're your friends and family. You want to be able to kind of have a neutral source. I know I've made this mistake so many times, like talking to friends about like my personal challenges with Dan. And then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Like I actually not really looking for advice for my friends um, who, whether they get it or or don't, it's just like, it's like almost putting down a really healthy boundary of like, no, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do that. And Again, I've made that mistake many times, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so and, and always... just to, to, you know, give you guys some positive feedback, that is honestly why Wags of SCI works so well, because we all understand each other. And when we vent or, um, you know, want advice, it's not held against you or thought to be odd or anything like that because we get it and this platform was needed I have been with him for for like I said over 13 years and you you didn't exist when I was first with him and since you creating this platform I I have honestly been benefited in in more ways that I can even express to you guys so that's that's what this is for (laughs) you know you're right you're right you it's it's difficult to vent for a lot of different reasons, um, whether it's what I said or the fact that you don't want your friends or family to have any negative uh, perspectives of your partner at all. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want them to change their thoughts about anything. But, you know, it's difficult to do to do with your inner circle. And so the wives of SCI, even though they are your inner circle, it's like the best inner circle. It's the best way to vent about this because we get it. Right. And we use the hashtag, hashtag wags of SCI real life. Come on, ladies. We want to see you posting the real life stuff. It's not always glamorous, but it's always 
a learning experience and we're always here for you. And I think it's really brave of you to talk about this because I know a lot of women in our community, like Elena was saying, you know, it's not just the men, it's the women too, right? Like we're, we want to come across as strong and we don't want to disclose, okay, I'm struggling here. And I think it's really amazing that you are so willing to talk about this because I know there will be a lot of women listening right now that feel very alone and would feel frustrated and angry with their partners and not know how to like release it or, or get it out. So like, let's just say you were speaking to yourself from who you are now. Um, you're speaking to Rebecca at this, when you had, when you started with the frustrations and having those issues with Damien, what advice would you give her? Oh man, I would tell her to be more compassionate because full transparency, I was so excited to take control. A lot of, when you have an outside caregiver, you lo- you lose some control of your life because you have the stranger in your house and they mess things up. And even though that you appreciate their, um, you value what they're doing, it's just, they're in your house and in your space. And part of you still just wants to be with your person. You know, you don't want this outside stranger coming in. It's, it's violating sometimes. And so I was excited. Yay. I get to um, take control of my own life. I don't have to have this stranger come in anymore. And when he didn't feel that way, I, I was angry and I was irritated and I just, I needed to be more compassionate. And I would tell myself, you know, Rebecca, be more compassionate. Look at miss, look at everybody's perspective. I definitely didn't do that enough with my own husband. And I needed to understand where he was coming from because he is that guy. He's this full on former athlete, aggressive, rugged guy who I'm his wife and he doesn't want me on my hands and knees picking up his poop. Sorry if that's TMI, but that's what goes down. No, no. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's looking at it going, my, this is not the role that my wife is supposed to play according to how I was conditioned and grew up. And it really got to him. And I needed to be more compassionate to that thought process, even though I thought it was ridiculous. That's not fair. And you're expanding so your mind tell. too, right? You're expanding mm-hmm. it just by having this experience. You're learning new yeah. things about yourself, but also Damien. And like, what did, what did he, like, how, how is he now? Like, does he look back and has he learned anything from the situation? What, what are his thoughts now? I, you know, I know we can't speak for him, but like in your perspective. Yeah. From my perspective, he, he has, he's uh, grown a lot as an individual from this. Um, he, he tends to, and he knows this, he tends to want things a specific way and he thinks like his way is the best way. So I think he's learning through this because in his mind, his way of having an outside caregiver was the best way. And I think that he's learning that he also needs to see other perspectives and other ways and be open and not so regimen to um, a routine and, um, you know, be a little bit more open. So yeah, I definitely think he's, he's growing a hundred percent as this, this whole pandemic has really made me grow and him grow in probably every aspect of our life, not just caregiving, just everything. That's really amazing to hear. Absolutely. I think it's shifted a lot of things, you know, Brooke and I always say like we're shifting, not even just like as personal people, personal people as individuals, (laughs) um, But also as as partners and even like, you know, it's pushing out some 
some things that are not aligning with who you truly are and then like challenging challenging you in different ways what is one thing that you and Damien like is there something like cool and new that you guys took on like a hobby or anything particular through the pandemic as like you know we're all kind of forced to be indoors or like you know not indoors but like stay away from other people was there anything that you guys like explored or found to be super cool or new that you took on so much um okay so the two the two of us along with another friend um we saw through the pandemic there was so much fear and we wanted to create something other than that for people and so what we did is we started a um, video podcast, a live show called vested. And basically it's, you need to be vested and invested in yourself. And what we do is we inspire, create, empower and empower people every Thursday live. And so that's one of the things that we started. Damien is the face of it, along with our friend Jamar, who's an amazing guy who also has the same kind of like demeanor we do about life. And we find topics to discuss that inspire, create, empower people. We have on guests who are inspiring, creative, and empowering. And we just share that with the world rather than fear and doubt. And so that's one thing that we did. Um, I, my whole career changed. Um, I went from being a photographer and everything outside to I'm now producing and directing um, online events for people. Uh, through Zoom. And I also teach Zoom, um, how to use Zoom to its full capacity to people. I do tutorials on on Zoom. People pay me to do that. Um, so um, my career has completely changed. We've, I've completely, we've completely just stepped outside of our boxes and, and found ways to capitalize on the current status of things. To listen to part two of our interview with Rebecca Minna, just skip to the next episode. See you there.